The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 17th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, what a day here in Sonoma County. You know, I'm glad, hey, I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad to enjoy the day, and I'm glad to be here to be doing the radio show. You know, this weekend was really very, very, very interesting. And I have a very special guest joining me in the studio is one of my favorite friends, Susan Lamont. Susan is a longtime peace and social uh, justice activist who is currently affiliated with Sonoma County's Green Party, Police Brutality Coalition, and Veterans for Peace. And she's also at added another, another leg to her activism, and we'll be talking about that, and that is say no to nukes. I can't believe it. You know, it's very, very interesting. Many activist groups around the, around the country have come together under the umbrella of defuse uh, nuclear war. And I know um, one of my dear friends, Medea Benjamin, is one of the people that's uh, kind of heading this to call attention to the increasing and highly volatile threat of nuclear war. Defense nuclear war was called for a week of action. And that's, that was how it started out. We had a little a gathering here in downtown uh, Santa Rosa at uh, courthouse square and uh, I was a little bit disappointed that more, more people didn't show up but I realized this, that all of a sudden the nuclear idea coming on the radar again is kind of new to many people and they don't realize how how what's going on right now in fact for myself when I first got this idea or when the when the flyer came across my uh, computer I thought to myself what no nukes? What's going on? And then when I found out what's going on in Ukraine and how close we are and also found out that we're six seconds away on the nuclear clock and I'm going, wait a minute, we got to have a discussion about this. So, so Susan was kind enough to come on the show today and we have a few surprises going on and I'm really excited about that. Well, I have a few announcements to make and uh, the first announcement I make is tonight a very, very important Zoom is happening, and that's the National Organization for Women, uh, the Sonoma County chapter. We're going to be having a Zoom, and we're going to be presenting a woman by the name of Rosita Stevens-Hosley, and she is the niece of uh, Dr. Reverend Polly Murray. And if you don't know who Polly Murray is, I suggest you go onto your computer and just type her name in and you'll find out all kinds of things. She was a civil rights activist and was and also a lawyer and later on became an Episcopalian, one of the first women uh, to be ordained as Episcopalian priest. And a very, very interesting, very interesting woman and one, a woman that I find to be one of my heroes. And what's so important about this particular Zoom is in my mind, this is the closest I have ever been to history. 
I mean, this is her niece. And w one of the stories when I interviewed her was very interesting. When I interviewed uh, Rosita, she told me a story. She says, well, Aunt Polly called me and said she'd like me to meet me in Washington, D.C. We're going to have lunch together. And Rosita was only 13 years old at that time. So she goes on the train as she lives in Maryland. So she goes on the train and meets her you know her aunt for lunch and they walk over to have the lunch and who's sitting there waiting for them but Eleanor Roosevelt and she was only 13 years old and she said I never forgot that experience so this is just one of many many stories that she's going to tell about this dynamic woman and it's going to be tonight October 17th and it's going to be happening at six o'clock from six to seven thirty there'll be plenty of time for questions and answers and if you you need to go to now Sonoma Dot org. That's N-O-W-S-O-N-O-M-A dot org. And you'll find all the information on how to get to the Zooms. Well, I have uh, several things that are happening on October 22nd. It's really uh, very interesting to me. That's uh, it's a very interesting day. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is there's going to be, and this has been, I didn't know this was happening, but this goes on every single week. And it's called a Vigil for Peace in Ukraine, and it happens, well, it's going to happen this Saturday, October 22nd. A little uh, background about that. A few, a few Santa Rosa Quakers have started a vigil, and they started it all the way back in February, and will continue every Saturday until the war in Ukraine has stopped. And the next vigil, like I said, is Saturday, October 22nd. And it starts at 11.30, and it ends at 1 p.m., and it's going to be at Old Courthouse Square in downtown Santa Rosa. And it's so interesting. Many sponsor, many people are sponsored. Uh, one of the major sponsors is Veterans for Peace along with the Quakers group, and their theme is war is not the answer. Well, you know, I figured that out a long time ago when I started studying history. I said, there's that many wars, and we're still warring, and look at I mean, from the day that I was born, there's been war. I mean, I was born in 1940. That's 82 years ago, and we're still warring. And it, obviously, war is not the answer, because it was, you know, we would be, have ended, we would have had peace a long time ago. In fact, uh, it really, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. Well, another, I don't know how to say this, but the best, the best way to say it is from what I saw on the flyer, and that's we're going to celebrate the life of young Andy Lopez. Uh, young Andy was, uh, in 2013, was shot and killed by our Deputy Sheriff Eric L. House. It was a tragedy to our community. Believe me, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget meeting his mother and looking into her eyes, and all I could think was, please, don't do that to me. And you know, if you live long enough, Things happen in your life. I can't believe two two women that I know lost their sons through violence. You know, my, my friend Val lost her son and, and here Andy Lopez at 13 years old. And as far as I'm concerned, there has never and never will be in my mind any justification for this young boy's death. And we're still fighting for accountability. And I just read in the newspaper this morning another killing was happening. Of course, they're saying the man was armed, but who knows what, what goes on. And another thing is happening, another law enforcement taking another person's life. And we still don't have accountability in our, in our, in our community. 
And what we're adding to this celebration of Andy's life is another celebration of life. As a dear friend of mine, Kathleen Finnegan, who passed away last month, she was an activist, very, very much involved in the homeless group and very dedicated to showing up to writing letters to the editor and doing some amazing things. So we're going to celebrate Andy Lopez's life and Kathleen Finnegan's life. And that's going to be, again, on Saturday, October 22nd. At uh, It's going to start at 4 p.m. And it's going to be at Andy's Unity Park. And that address is 3399 Moreland Avenue in Santa Rosa. And I really encourage people to show up. You know, just... In, <sighs> I can't believe, you know, when I start thinking about it, this, this young boy, 13 years old, you know, seven bullets went through his body, and the jerk went when he was laying dead on the, on the ground, handcuffed him. You know, I'll never, there is no justification for that, none whatsoever. And why is it important that we pay attention to these things? Because if it can happen to one mother's child, it can happen to any mother's child and we must always be aware of that we must stand up for peace you know it's so interesting you know we have all these people running around calling themselves christians well one of the main stays of christians is blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers not the war makers i was shocked one day that someone was telling me that jesus was a war a war maker i go what I mean, I am not a believer in religion, but I'm a believer in certain teachings. And when I heard that, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children, I would like to say, of the great mystery. They say God, I say the great mystery, the higher power, great spirit, however you want to put it. In my mind, they said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be a peacemaker. And that's been my goal ever since I can remember. I mean, I can't believe that. I can't, you know, I'll tell you something, folks. When I think about it, I have to scratch my head. I just have to scratch my head. You know, I remember the first time that I protested, I was just a young woman, and now here I am, a great-grandmother. Well, <laughs> amazing. Well, like we do every Monday, like we do every Monday, we do our history is our strength. Now, why is that important? Because when we study our history, we know what worked, we knew what didn't work, we know we can look and see how we can improve things, how we can do things differently. And you know something, one of the things that happens when you get a little bit older, like myself, you start reflecting on your life and you say, oh, if I could only do it over again. Well, you, know, you can't do it over again. But what you can do is involve yourself in things to make sure that it doesn't happen again. You know, you can, you can actually help the future by standing up for things, by saying, no, enough is enough. And I really believe it's a responsibility of women. I believe the women have to gather in, in, in huge amounts of strength. And why do I say that? We bring forward life. We bring forward the children. There's not one person out there, one human being out there that did not come from some female, a woman. We must stand up for what we bring into the world. It is very important, and it will never have peace. As long as we're willing to give our sons and daughters to war, we will never have peace. And let's just remember that. Well, here we go. 
today is October 17th, but I'm going to go back one day <laughs> and say happy birthday, or rather uh, something that happened on October 16th. She was born. Uh, that's Margaret Sanger, and she opened up the first birth control clinic in birth in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And this is so interesting. When you look at the history of it, you know, Margaret Higgins Sanger, she was born Margaret Louise Higgins on September 14, 1879, and she made her transition on September 6, 1966. And it looked like in uh, 1916 was when she opened up her first, uh, the first birth control clinic. She was an American birth control activist, sex educator. Now, this was I mean, this woman stirred things up in a way that we could never even imagine. She was a writer and a nurse. Sanger popularized the term birth control. Do you realize the idea given to women about birth control? That's what empowered us. Once we got control over that aspect, you know, one of the things, one, one of the things I recommend to people, if you really want to find out how bad it can get, read Angela's Ashes. It really lets you know what women were put through being forced to, not only to be forced to uh, that le allow their husbands to dominate them, but forced to have children, one child after another. I mean, I had one child, thank God. I mean, I'm grateful for that, my beautiful daughter, Susan. I know what it took to raise her. You know, I saw my daughter raise two children. I know what it took to raise those two children. I see my great, my grandson and his wife raising my great-grandchildren. I see the energy it puts into that. Imagine a woman having eight or nine or ten kids, and that was her duty, and she had to serve her husband. And here comes Margaret Sanger, you know. She says, no, we got to have birth control, and she established she established organizations that evolved into the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. But guess what? She was arrested. She was put in jail. She was harassed. Why was she harassed? Because she was giving women control over their own lives. Well, happy birthday, Margaret, and I'm glad. And, you know, there's, there's a, a downside to her also. You know, everyone has a positive and a negative side. But the most positive thing about her is the fact that she said women have a right to birth control. And she actually opened up clinics to, um, to educate them. It was a whole new concept. And let me tell you something. People were up in arms about this. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to think about when it comes to Margaret Sander. Well, another person I want to say a happy birthday to, she was born October 18th, 1889, and made her transition in 1968. Now, when you think about this woman born in 1889, she came into the world where women had no voice. We couldn't even own our own property. We had no rights to our children. Her name was Fanny Hurst. She was an author. She wrote 17 novels and nine novels of short stories over 50 years. She left approximately, this is amazing, $1 million to Brandeis and Washington universities for professorships create in creative literature. Here's this woman born in 1889 and, and accomplishes so much that she's able to support an institution of education that way. And that was very much, at that time, women just didn't step up like that. 
So amazing. So happy birthday, Fanny Hurst. And here is another another wonderful woman. She was born October 22nd, 1834. She made her transition in 1915. That's Abigail Scott Dunaway, early Western author and Pacific Northwest suffrage leader from 1871 to 1915. For that woman to stand up and be a suffrage was an amazing thing. I mean, if you watch Iron Shot Angels, you see that men were throwing their wives out of the house if they became a, a suffrage. That's how much control they had over them. And she wrote a, a thing called Pathbreaking in 1914. So happy birthday, another, another trailblazer. Well, there's one last other person that I would like to mention, and the reason I saved her to last is because I this, this is very, very important when you start understanding how women were involved in leadership, and particularly around developing the unions. She was born October 18, 1890, and she made her transition in 1986. Oh, my goodness, she almost lived to 100 years old. Pauline Newman, she was a labor leader who immigrated from Lithuania, aided the uprising of 20,000 women in New York, hailed by the Coalition of Labor Union Women as a foremother, she's called a foremother of the liberation movement. Pauline Newman, what an amazing woman. Really, really. Well, happy birthday to these women, and thank you. Thank you for all that you have done for all of us here, you know, in this generation. If you hadn't laid the groundwork, we wouldn't be where we are today. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and happy birthday. And, you know, if anybody has any special birthdays that they want to spe uh, celebrate or, <clears throat> excuse me, anniversaries, you can always write, email me at Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E, -E, middle initial B, Holtz, H-O-L-T-Z, at Gmail, and I'm always happy to announce them. And I do have a special announcement about a birthday. My beautiful grandson, Ryan Irwin Jensen, who's going to be 34 years on tomorrow, October 18th. And I can't believe, here I remember my little baby being born and holding him in my arms, and here he is, the father of two little girls. I mean, just, it blows me away. I got to say it. It just blows me away. You know, I guess I guess that's a grandmother thing. You know how it is. Us, us women, when we're grandmothers, we're just all over the place. I know Susan's a grandmother, and <laughs> the beautiful little a little child called Nora, and, and there's such little miracles. And when all of a sudden you see this little miracle holding another little miracle, you go, where in the hell did time go? I mean, it, it is just amazing. So happy birthday, Ryan. I love you from the deepest part of my heart, and I am so grateful that the great mystery decided to make me a grandmother because I got to tell you, folk, I remember when I told my, my daughter when she, was, when, it, when she let me know that she was pregnant, I says, well, you know you have options. She says, oh, no, Mom, Dave and I are going forward with this, and let me tell you something, I'm glad they did. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience to be a grandmother. And I'm, next month is my granddaughter's... Uh, Caitlin's birthday, and I'll be announcing that. So happy birthday, Ryan, and I wish you many, many years of health, happiness, joy, and continued prosperity. Whoa, that's a lot that we're handling this morning. Well, we're going to take a musical break now, and I'm going to play one of my favorite songs, and, you know, it's really interesting. 
people email me, why do you play the song, the whole song? You know, nobody else does that. And I says, because you got to listen to the words. Each song has a history. And this his, this song particularly, Blowing in the Wind, it's some, and I have it uh, the, that I'm going to play by, it's sung by the Seekers, was written by Bob Dylan in 1962. And I remember, I remember when he first came out with it, and I remember when Peter, Paul, and Mary made it very, very popular. And the song was released as a single, and it has been described as a protest song and poses a series of rhetorical questions about peace, war, and freedom. The refrain, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind has been described as just an idea. You know, it's blowing in the wind. It's like this idea, this idea is kind of blowing in the wind, but it still hasn't happened. We still haven't had peace. So lots to think about. So listen to the lyrics on this. I mean, it's very, very important. And I just love this this uh, arrangement by the Seekers. And when we return, I will be uh, joined. I'm joined in the studio right now with my guest, activist Susan Lamont. And we'll be talking about no more nukes and many other things. And I'm blessed to say that Susan's going to spend the whole hour with me. And we have some little surprises after different musical breaks. But right now we're going to play Blowing in the Wind, sung by the Seekers. How many times must the cannibals fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Oh, 
blowing in the wind. When were we going to catch it? You know, as I was listening to that song, I, a memory just came up to me that when I was uh, 18 years old, that was in 1958, I went to New York. And at that time, uh, I was in, lived in Greenwich Village, and I got to see Bob Zimmerman, who later on became Bob Dylan. And it was a revolution to me. I mean, I was just a... a I would call, I called myself a dumb blonde from California. And all of a sudden, listening to these protest songs, I thought, wow, what's going on? And then relating to the fact that my father was a union man, so I, I start understanding a lot of what Bob Dylan was saying. Well, for you folks just joining us, you are listening to KBBF, excuse me, uh, Calistoga Santa Rosa. And I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of directors, its members, or Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. The, stands, the B stands for beautiful, I decided, or be here now. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me in the studio is Susan Lamont. Welcome, Susan. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Well, thank you. It's good to be here again. Well, you know, as a, as a little side note, a little history, I say this every time I have you on the air. Susan was my first guest when I went on television, and it's the only show we don't have archived. I'm so upset about that, <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, before we begin, Susan, is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Sure. Well, Susan Lamont is a longtime peace and social activist, and we were talking. We were talking when we were at the protest on Saturday, when we first met, and it was during the uh, protest at the Iraq War, and we were walking, and I, we were just walking. And it was a whole bunch of group, and all of a sudden they did a die-in. Everybody just threw themselves on the ground, and then all in of front a sudden, of the press democrat. Yeah, in front of the press democrat, and all of a sudden Susan and I start talking to each other after that, and we've been friends ever since. Well, anyway, she's a longtime social activist who is currently affiliated with the Sonoma County Green Party. In fact, it was interesting. I, I believe you're on the ballot at one time. Uh, the Police Brutality Coalition and Veterans for Peace. Susan has been incredibly involved with bringing about law enforcement accountability and oversight. She is also a great writer, a poet, and an exceptional photographer. I have to say she is an amazing writer and photographer. Susan is has been a regular guest and like I said the first one of my first guests when I first went on the air in 2004 and she's just taken on a new action no more <laughs> nukes and that's what we're going to talk about and we also have a few surprises after on the next segment of the show so welcome Susan is there anything else you'd like to add my friend well I would I would add that uh, 1962 is when I was in junior high school um, was when I became aware of the peace movement. And I was uh, going to my local uh, youth group at my Unitarian church, which was two doors down from my house in Massachusetts. And I then went on to summer camp, a Unitarian Universalist summer camp in 63 and 64. And we would sing Blowing in the Wind every day. And every night, we were not in tents, we were in dorms. Every night, we would sing Where Have All the Flowers Gone Before We Went to Bed. So these songs are core, core songs for me and, and related to my entire history of being an activist uh, since I was, you know, 13. That's amazing. I mean, how intuitive of me to pick that a song of all songs, you know. I mean, because this song has really meant a lot, a lot to me. 
I mean, I became an activist when I was in my in my thirties, actually. You know, it was the first when I first realized uh, what was happening in Vietnam. You know, it was like such an eye opener for me because I I was such a raw raw American person. I mean, I really considered myself a dumb blonde. I mean, I have yeah. to, I have to say that my mother used to say, "You've got to marry a doctor." Well, I ended up marrying a law, uh, an actor, but that didn't make anybody happy. But well, the, I I remember my 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 cousin who was ex- like three days older than I am came to visit once, and it was 1964. And I remember lying in bed and the two of us discussing, was Johnson telling the truth? Was Johnson the one who was going to end the Vietnam War? Well, the saddest part part about President Johnson is that he did not end the war. He escalated it, and he had brought so many good social programs in, and yet he has that one reputation of the war. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about about this no-nukes program. You know, one of the things, when I first got the flyer, for some reason, I thought, and I mean, this this shows how, how brainwashed we are with the media. You know, when I think that I myself thought this, I said to myself, oh, I thought we were finished with this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I start going into I went onto their website, known, the whole website, and I thought, oh, my God. And then I saw Medea Benjamin's name, of course. You know, she's been a, a leader for this for a long, long time. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I could not believe what is going on. So talk, talk a little bit about the No Nukes program and why you believe that nuclear weapons are once again on the forefront. I mean, now that we realize what's going on in the Ukraine, well, but just give us a little, a little background on that. Well, you know, the organization that first established how many minutes to midnight we are from the possibility of nuclear war, when that was established, they were saying we were 17 minutes out of 24 hours. We were 17 minutes away, and they are now saying 90 seconds. And as... As public opinion has been shaped or blunted, you know, things were very active in the 80s in terms of anti-nuke stuff. And part of the problem is that Democrats were involved in this. I mean, Obama was part of this $7 trillion, I think that's the number, uh, revamping of our nuclear program. But you're sort of not supposed to mention it if a if a Democrat's involved. So the result has been that most people d- sort of think that that we were always told that nukes would keep us safe, f- keep us safe because it mutually assured destruction w- would be an impossible thought, you know. So therefore we um, had these nukes and they would be on reserve, but nobody would ever use them. And yet the history is the United States has almost used them quite a few times. And this is the 60th anniversary, this, I think it was this past week, of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we came so close, and it was only because Kennedy refused the advice of his advisors um, and, the, and the military. The military was gung-ho. They, the, you know, these these uh, documents are now declassified because it's been 50 year, more than 50 years. But the military was recommending that we shoot down a plane carrying American students, and then say it was done by Cuba. And there's a whole list of things that they wanted to do. And we we tend to think our can't our government can't think this way. 
and yet it has over and over and over again. It's well, it's such a myth to think that something, you know, I mean, look what happened in Fukushima. That wasn't even an atomic bomb. Right, yeah. You know, and, we're, and we don't know. And then when you Chernobyl. Look, right, and all these different places yeah. where, where it wasn't a bomb. Right. And, and the, thing, the thing that got me when we were, and I know we had this discussion, all of a sudden I pick up the, when you sent an email out, you said, well, if we live so many miles, this happens, right. and so many yes. miles, and yeah. I thought to myself, oh, my God, we live. We yes, live. if, if um, there's a nuclear attack on, on San Francisco, the, the nuclear scientists say that everybody within 50 miles will die instantly. And then 50 to 100 miles, everyone will die, but it will take several agonizing days. Well, Santa Rosa is 50 miles. So we're at the line of dies instantly or dies an agonizing death. I mean, I know friends who are talking about what they would have to have on hand to commit suicide just to speed it up, knowing that they were going to die. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting when you think about it. I mean, there here we live in this planet. You know, we live we live in the middle of the universe. It's such a mystery to all of us. I mean, sometimes I look up at the moon and I think, where in the heck am I? Who mm-hmm. am I? You know, I mean, I mean, I look at you. You have the same eyes and nose and <laughs> mouth. You know, we're human beings walking around. I think maybe we're just a bunch of ants. And I I say to myself, why why do we take all our energy? And put it into such negativity instead of putting it into the good. I mean, when you think of some of the advances we've made in spite of all this, imagine if we had those trillions that we're throwing away on war and weaponry, yeah. if we had that to put into science. Well, and nationalism is part, certainly part of the problem because all of these threats are based around um, feeling that you have, there's an existential threat to your nation. So back in the, um, at the Cuban Missile Crisis, the United States felt that there was an existential threat to the United States. And what they actually calculated was, and what they wanted to do, and, and Kennedy said no, was they wanted to bomb Russia, and they claimed that they could kill everyone in Russia that they had enough weapons and they could do it fast enough, that they could kill everyone in Russia. There would be some retaliation, but only 40 million Americans would die. And that was worth it to them because of this feeling that their country was under threat. Well, now Putin's in a similar situation because the United States has made clear for many, many years that they want Russia destroyed. I mean, that was the reason for the drawing Russia into the Afghan war under Jimmy Carter. And then another reason for drawing Russia into the war in Syria and now for drawing Russia into war in Ukraine is to destabilize them enough that they won't exist. And so Putin is seeing an existential threat to his country. And he's saying, I'm not going to allow it to happen. United States thinks exactly the same way. There's not a difference in thinking here. But it's all based upon we're different from you. We need to exist as something special and more important than everybody else. Well, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. It just looks like 
it looks like there's always it sounds like it's so male dominated you know <laughs> it reminds me of when i think of when i think of benjamin franklin when he tried when he brought the iroquois nation to our forefathers when they were trying to write the constitution as an example the first thing they asked was Where's the women? Yeah. You know, I mean, where's the women? I mean, I want, I would like to know if there's one woman out there that agrees that, I mean, that their ch- child should no. be even in, in that kind of danger. John Adams' wife said, you know, Abigail Adams said, don't forget the women. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there's a lot to think about. And, you know, I know, folks, you know, this is a very negative thing. This is a very scary thing to bring forward. But you know something? We have to face life. We have to face facts. We are in peril. We're not only in peril with the nuclear weapons, we're in peril losing our democracy and, and losing our right to choose. I mean, so many things are on the chopping block right now and so many threats that we have that it's very important that people get involved. Well, that's that's why this particular campaign that will be ongoing um, is saying we have we have reached a stage where we can't afford to have nuclear weapons. There's no way that we can guarantee that they won't be used, particularly now that they've developed these, these tactical ones that don't blow up the whole world. They just blow up a city, you know, like, like this is better. And so what people need to be doing is contacting all their representatives and saying it's time to end nuclear weapons. This is a waste of money. This is a waste of life. This is, has so many ramifications. They've got to be destroyed. We've got to get back to the treaties that we have had signed and have pulled out of. And we, it, it, has to, it absolutely has to be a priority. And along with it, in the current situation, has to be a demand that the United States, which supposedly is not a party to this war, um, get involved in negotiations, and that Ukraine, which was in negotiations with Russia, with Turkey leading those discussions, U.S. put an end to that. That that needs to be, that needs to be changed. That needs to be reversed. Go back to the table. And whether at this point everybody is so has their heels dug in. You know, all three, Putin, Zelensky, Biden, whether their heels are too dug in to do it. But but Putin was asking for this for well before he invaded Ukraine. So, so we, need to, we need to demand both. End of nuclear weapons, honor the treaties, strengthen the treaties, and go back to the, bar, to the negotiating table. And I think the most important thing that you said— is that people have to start pushing their representatives. We yeah. have to start, we have to stand up and say no more. Our lives are at risk. Yeah. You know, what? what is it gonna take for people, you know, like I said, I was very disappointed that there were not more people out there because this is this is involving so much. Well, Susan- Well, I, I did have one, one comment to make, which is that according to, I should have looked it up to get the name of the polling organization, but it's a credible polling organization that was, you know, recognized by mainstream news, it was reported in the Press Democrat this weekend, that 58% of Americans are worried about nuclear war right now. Well, so the majority of people are concerned. 
Well, take your worry out into the street. That's what I say. Yes. Take your worry, put it in a pen, write a letter to an editor, write a letter to your representatives, call their hotlines. You know, they listen. You'd be surprised how much they listen to because they are constantly taking polls of people. Uh, people what they think right. well we're at the end of the se- uh, the segment is there mm-hmm. any website you can send people to or well, anything well there is diffusenuclearwar.org all one word diffusenuclearwar.org and remember everything that we talk about will be on women's spaces www.womenspaces.com right. and you can always check code pink code you know code pink is central to this with Medea Benjamin and so but all that will be on, on Women's Spaces. Well, Susan, right. we're going to go into the second. We're going to go mm-hmm. into the second segment. And the second segment is going to be really interesting. We're going to take a musical break. And the song I'm going to be playing is called The War Racket, sung by Buffy St. Marie. I mean, this song is so blunt. It really says it. As, as it really says it on real reality. And when we return, I have a little surprise for everybody. We're going to be reading a poem that I wrote, and it's called When Johnny Comes Marching Home. We're also going to include Ken. Ken's going to be included. He's going to play the mail road. It, always nice to have you here, Ken, so when we need that mail energy. <laughs> Provide my voice. <laughs> yes, we'll provide your voice. And when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll be doing the poem and continuing my conversation with activist Susan Lamont. So let's go ahead and play War Racket. slick you investors in hate you sedams and you bushes you've been ladens and snakes you billionaire bullies you were a globalized curse you put war on the masses and then you clean out the purse and that's how it's done war after war you old feudal parasites you just sacrifice the poor you got the cutting edge weapons, but your scam's still the same as it's been since the Romans. Yo, it's the Patriot game. Yo, that's the war racket. It's the war racket. It's the war racket. It's the war racket. You twisters of language. You creeps of disguise. Yeah, disinformation. It's like worms in your eyes. You privileged bankers. You gambler thieves. You profit on war. You think it's just less money in peace. So that's how it's done. Time after time. Country after country. And crime after crime. You pretend it's religion. Like there's no one to blame. For the dead and impoverished. In your little patriot game Honey, that's the war racket That's the war racket That's the war racket That's the war racket You got the world's greatest power Boy, it sure is a racket Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz And with me in the studio is my dear friend and activist, Susan Lamont, and also my uh, co-producer, Ken Norton. And we're going to do a little reading of a poem that I wrote called When Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. 
And what's what's really interesting about this poem, uh, the the first part of it, I read all the way back. I think it was in 1960. I can't remember the exact year where I wrote read it for the Peace and, and Freedom Party. And I remember all of a sudden when it ended, it was so silent. I thought to myself, my God, did I fail? And then suddenly people just burst out. Everybody wanted a copy. And I thought this would be a real good idea. So Susan and, and Ken are going to join me, and I will start it out and then... Here we go. You ready, guys? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Hello, my dear son. I'm so glad you are here. For you, I've waited almost a year. You're so cute, so pink, and so perfect in every way. Oh, I'm so happy, more than I can ever say. Soon you'll be walking, talking, running, doing a million things. Multiply all that with the love you will bring. Wait, my dear one. My thoughts are not clear. My heart is full of pain, my head racked with fear, for I look to yesterday's mothers and their sons. Dear God, their sons are all carrying guns. When Johnny comes marching home again, hurrah, hurrah, the roar will be behind him and so will his youth. His gun will be behind him as he wonders if he fought for truth. Just yesterday, Johnny was a small boy playing with his friends and all their war toys. Bang, bang, I'll shoot them down dead, ran through those little boys' heads. But they were just pretending, never realizing one day they would be grown men. Their games would become real, a way of life. Johnny and his friends would kill for what others deemed right. On the day Johnny learned Uncle Sam wanted him and wanted him now, he turned to his parents, to society, and cried. I want to live. I'm scared to die. I might come back a cripple. Why must I go? Why? The entire world was shocked by this sudden outburst. What do you mean? All screamed and cried. The very nerve of you. How dare you ask why? But I must know. This life I'm about to give is mine. Look at him, your son, how he whines, came from his father's lips. Son, when I was your age, I was proud to fight for the red, white, and blue. I knew it was something I must do. I had no voice back then. No one had a choice. Who did Johnny think he was anyway? All of a sudden, he thinks he has something to say. Always screaming, you want to be free, free to be the way you want to be. It takes a lot of lives to secure democracy, even though we throw in a little hypocrisy. What does he know? The army will do him good. His father cried. I can't stand the way you let your hair grow, always carrying on about how you are never understood. They'll show you a thing or two. Son, the army will make a man of you. Johnny thought to himself. Make a man out of me? If being a man means to be able to take orders and kill another man or a woman or even a child. Being a man, hey, it's not for me. I must be what I must be. I can't live for you, society. Let the ones who want to go, go. Please leave me alone. I'm I'm sorry sorry if you you don't don't listen. listen. Off to prison prison you must go. But I live in the United States of America. Don't I have freedom of choice? When Johnny comes marching home again, hurrah, hurrah. 
The war will be behind him, and so will his youth. His gun will be behind him as he wonders if he fought for the truth. Whoa. Let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to have a few questions for Susan, and we're going to play a song called Brother Warrior. Gentle warrior With your heart like gold And a rainbow in your eyes Brave companion Do you see a world Shining in the sky With your body Dancing like an arrow Spreading joy Beneath your your hands wave like tall grass in the wind as you speak with the shininess of a small child and the wisdom of a sage I tell you now there is no reason Brother warrior, there are none of us who walk this path alone. Spirit healer, it's the only life that we have ever known. And I see your smile in the sunlight. I hear your songs in the rain And I hold you here inside me Feel your love, know your pain At this time when the earth is waking To the dawn of another
Yes, we are looking for a vision, a vision to bring peace on this beautiful planet we call Mother Earth. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm continuing my conversation with activist Susan Lamont. Well, Susan, we just heard a very powerful song, and we just we just read a poem when Johnny comes marching home. What are your thoughts after being involved in reading with that poem? What, what came up for you? Well, I'm, I'm immediately reminded of, on Facebook the other day, a post that I had put up that was shared. It was not my original post of um, a young man who was going off to war in Afghanistan because at this point the Afghanistan war was still happening and he hadn't been born when when it started and the fact that here you take children and they are they are cannon fodder when they're born that's that's an agreement that's made with your country that you are having children who will be cannon fodder. And that is stunning that that nobody, you have it in your poem that the, that the mother realizes this. Most mothers don't ever think of this. Well, that's the importance of this show. Yeah. The women's and, show, that we need and, to start thinking about this. And back, back during um, the war, um, I created a, a, an event where we had a line that went for two blocks that had... Uh, hanging from strings, photographs and names of California soldiers who had who had died, and one of them was a man whose mother had said his greatest value in life was having died in this war. That there are mothers out there who have been convinced to believe this about their children is absolutely stunning to me. Well, I remember when I was, uh, after we protested the Iraq war, I was at a, an event at the, uh, at the fair here in Sonoma County and, you know, where they had all kinds of boots and everything. And I saw this woman wearing a vest, red, white, and blue, you know, and I looked at her and I said, oh, well, how beautiful. You're, you're, that's wonderful. You, you, you consider yourself a patriot. And she started telling me that her son is going over to Iraq and how proud she is of him yeah. and all. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, but don't you understand that his life is in danger? that he could be killed, and how are you going to, you know, it, it reminds me of Born on the Fourth of July, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, here's this, it comes into this patriotic county, and this, they, on his birthday, you know, they're doing all these parades, he thinks it's him, and then he ends up a paraplegic, you know, yeah. from, from the Vietnam War, and, and another thing, to be really, really clear about this poem, when I wrote the poem, there was a draft, now, there, right. now there's no draft, so every, Everybody who joins up for the military is making a choice, but what's happening is what we don't realize is we put economics within the military. Sometimes that's the only place a person can earn a living or get an education. Well, my my son-in-law was one of those people who didn't have to go. He grew up convinced in this patriotic duty, and he went to Iraq and Somalia. He was a Marine, and he came back realizing he'd been totally lied to and started a social justice week at his college and uh, he, he learned from it but we we can't wait for everybody to go and learn from it well you know and it's also it's also very interesting too is because 
when you start thinking about it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Well, no, Susan, makes no we, sense. we have come to the end of our <laughs> segment. Is there any last words, anything that you'd like to share, any events that you want to make sure? I know we're going to have the Andy Lopez yeah, thing on October yeah, mentioned the events, 22nd. Yeah. I can't believe it's been that many years. It's been yeah, nine, nine years. Nine years. Nine years. The, he would have been 22 years old. I mean, probably yeah. graduating college or going into the military himself because that was one of his goals. Any last words or anything? Just keep peace on your plate always. None of the other issues, all of which are important, matter if we don't exist. So we, we our number one goal is to stay alive. And only peace is going to guarantee that for as many people as possible. Well, thank you, Susan Lamont, for joining mm -hmm. me and for reading the poem with me and for just mm -hmm. everything that you do. I truly, truly appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for having me on again. Well, that's it for our show, folks. Special thank you to longtime activist uh, Susan Lamont for giving for spending the hour with me. Special thank you to both Susan and Ken for reading the poem when Johnny comes marching home. And we will have that on our website, www.womenspaces.com. And reminder... Tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. Evening, I'm so excited. I get to listen to my own show, and I'm actually listening to it these days. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements, and if you have any announcements that you'd like to have on the air, like a, a birthday or an anniversary or something that's going on, please do not hesitate to email me at elainebholtz at gmail.com. Remember, our children are our future, and we must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to be with you again. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 17, 2022.